0: How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and
1: gentlemen, it is episode number fifty-four of How about that cigar live? Welcome to Minnesota. It is uh oh yeah, Garrett's got his his practicing uh safe social distancing right now. Uh, I,
0: gonna, uh, uh,
1: I got a I got a utility knife you can use, cut a little hole in there that so go. the cigar still That'll still be good. works. That'll be good. So it's uh so we here in Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen, we got fit four and a half inches of snow yesterday so i'd like to uh you know say thank you for that um so as always guys it's it's not tuesday night (laughs) it's not i don't even know what day it is seriously Uh, i know it's monday night a special monday night broadcast of how about that cigar live episode number 54 and as always we are in the drew estate cigar studios brought to you by Drew Estate, and they want to tell you about the 2020 Herrera Esteli TAA exclusive release. It is a 6x52 Toro featuring a rich Connecticut leaf wrapper, bold Brazilian Matafina binder, and lush Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Drew Estate master blender Willie Herrera exclusively for the TAA, this cigar is a testament to the complexity and quality behind the Herrera Esteli line. The Herrera Esteli TAA exclusive is packaged in 12-count boxes with a total of 800 boxes is produced for more info please visit drewestate.com so garrett this has been week number 70 trillion of lockdown i don't remember even what week it is obviously as we heard a second ago i don't even remember what day it is yeah but it's uh you know it's going okay you know it's you know there's a little you know with the 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 family here at home it's uh you know the, we have our little moments of people oh, kind of yeah. getting on each other's nerves but you know how have you guys been getting through it
0: you know same i think uh for the most part i'm actually pretty impressed with how things are going at home um you know yeah we will get a little testy at times <laughs> you know and th- that's to be expected um i saw a great little meme you know about uh uh the shining <laughs> and yes. uh and it was you know some sort of the fact where you know they were in isolation in this in this thing for a while and i think that uh, jack Nicholson's character handed himself pretty well yeah all things considered
1: yeah and uh <laughs> kinda... Con- considering the fact that he uh he went literally insane Liter- literally and and yeah. just went on a rampage yeah other than that he did other great. than that
0: he was he... <laughs>
1: So Tip so on a, on a special night like tonight, it is Monday. It's April 13th, 2020. And uh, tomorrow night being my wife's birthday, we definitely wanted to, uh, you know, spend that time with family, myself here at home and with the wife and the kids and, and uh, you know, spend that time with her for her birthday. Uh, but that, you know, brought me to wanting to have a special show. And uh, somebody that we've wanted to have on the show for quite a while, Um, and we were finally able to get this, um, get this on the schedule. Um, so I just don't want to waste any more time. I want to get right to our special segment. And as always, guys, that is brought to you by. Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, they are the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in being cigar fanatics just like you and me. That is why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. You will also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSunGrown.com without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Cigar Coop himself, Mr. Will Cooper. Will, how's it going this evening?
2: Matt, Garrett, how's it going? Thank you for the opportunity to be on. I'm glad we were able to finally uh make this work. So
1: this is great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. we, so, re- I, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we're honored to have you. Same so, uh, honored to be here. I want to I jump right in just because it's it's kind of fun, you know, on a night, although we love having people from cigar companies on the show, it's kind of fun to have somebody not directly affiliated with a cigar company so we can just kind of pick and choose out of our own personal humidors what we want to fire up this evening. Uh, Coop, tell us what you decided to fire up. Well,
2: I'm about to fire up and there's a couple reasons why I'm going to fire this one up. It's uh, the Crux Epicure Maduro
0: uh, Gordo. Oh, yeah.
2: Now, there's two reasons why I'm firing. On. I, one know. Is, I know. I know what. One is because you guys are a Minnesota-based show. This is a Minnesota-based company. Yep. Second is Crux was, uh, Casey Hogan was the first guest on the primetime show exactly three years ago today.
1: That's right. And that was one of the first things I had on my notes was to say, (laughs) happy anniversary, three years of of Cigar Coop primetime. So congratulations on three years.
2: Thank you very much. Um, and there were folks who I think who thought we wouldn't make it, but uh, as probably, you know, and, um, <laughs> but we made it and uh, we're still just doing what we're doing right now. So uh, when we scheduled this, I didn't really realize it was falling on the same day until a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and we're I mean it's 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 a huge honor to uh you know not only just to have you on the show, but to have you on the show on on this, you know, kind of momentous day.
0: Mm-hmm, Garrett, what what did you fire up? So I fired up the uh tabernacle Maduro. Oh the uh what um the tabernacle uh it's the uh original tabernacle. Yep, yep, just the original tabernacle.
1: And I am firing up uh, I couldn't decide what, so I stood with my humidor open, standing in front of it for the longest time, going you know, pulling out shelves and and things like that and boxes and a, and finally I landed on the M Bombay M Cuba. Uh, I I think this diadema. is the Diadema. Yeah. So I am going to fire that up right now. Um, so coop, talk to talk to us a little bit about you know. Um, obviously one of the things we want to, our viewers and listeners to get an idea of if they, if they're not familiar with you, we want to get, give us a little bit of a brief overview about, you know, that, that first premium cigar that got you, that got you into it. And then we'll, we'll kind of go a little deeper into it.
2: The first cigar I smoked or the first one that got me into it?
1: Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's start with the first one you smoked.
2: The first one I smoked was like a, um, a JR, uh bundle cigar. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, it was like a disaster, right? I, I couldn't light the thing. I didn't know how to draw on the thing. Um, everything I did wrong with this thing, inhaled it, w- was wrong. <laughs> but but I got through it, right? So uh, it was probably like, like the guy who gave it to me said it was, the, it was a good cigar to cut your teeth on. Yeah. But it was really CAO Brasilia that kind of got me into this. Um, the whole concept of that World Series, where um, whether it was you know just looking at those different, okay, this one's using Brazilian tobacco, this one's using Italia Italian tobacco, this one's using um, American tobacco, CO America, Italia, Brasilia. Just kind of that intrigued me to start getting into this because one is I really enjoyed that Brasilia, which to, I don't understand it to this day because I'm not an Araparaca guy, but I love that cigar. Yeah, But it that's what started making me peel the onion and start looking at different regions for tobacco and all those things. So I would really go back to that CAO Brasilia.
0: And honestly, in my opinion, that is the best one out of that series.
2: I agree. I agree. Uh, the original, you know, the original uh, green and gold ones. Uh, I, yep. I, would, yeah, go I totally agree. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so when was the when was the first time that you started thinking to yourself I'm going to create some kind of content out there, whether it was right, putting a post on a forum about a cigar you enjoyed or deciding that you were going to start a website or deciding you were going to start uh, making videos about cigars. When take us back to when you first decided to become a content creator in the world of premium cigars.
2: It actually happened as an afterthought Um, in 2010. Um, I was, I you know, I, I started really getting into the cigar thing. I, I learned a lot, right? And it was a lot I still had to learn. And there was a local retailer who really, he had owned a cigar store. He needed help in terms of, of developing his humidor. Um, so he asked me to go to IPCB 2010 as a buyer, which I did. Um, to help him kind of buy the right things, you know, to kind of really grow this humidor. Um, and I had that opportunity to go do that. And... When I walked into the trade show for the first time, and I think everyone has this reaction, it's like Cigar Disneyland with these booze, it was elaborate. And I started basically saying, you know what, this is a real unique experience. I don't know if I'm ever gonna go to a trade show again, but I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this experience. So I started a for all practical purposes, a very traditional blog where I wrote about like twenty-two booze I went to. The photo sucked. The writing sucked. It was terrible, right? It was as bad as it could be. But at least I got it out there, right? Um, as that started happening, companies—I was surprised that companies were actually noticing it, right? Because it was so bad, right? And even I knew it was bad back then. And they said at that point, they said, "Hey, would you like to review this cigar on the website?" Okay, so I started reviewing the cigars, and those reviews were as bad as the other content, right? But but it, content was getting out there, right? At some point. I said, you know what, this thing, people are, maybe I can make this better. So I started looking at a, a plan to kind of improve everything from top to bottom and start to take this more seriously. What I discovered was that at the time, the bar was really low. Like the reason why my crappy content was getting red because there was a lot of other crappy content. But the difference is the other crappy content, there was nothing getting validated. Like the stuff was just getting out there and it was like the Wild West. It wasn't correct. And that's where I kind of started getting into, okay, can I make this better? Can I start validating the information in there? Then the next step is, as I was in my cigar lands, I started talking about, hey, this company sent me a press release. And I started talking about all these new releases. And someone gave me the idea. I said, why don't you put that on your blog and start, like, doing that? And that's how the news piece was born after that. But it was the same thing. Like, I noticed these press releases were out there. They were just copy and pasted. And I, I didn't really want to do that. The other thing was the uh, – there were people putting news out there that was just completely incorrect. Um, and yeah. if you talk to Charlie Minato, he will tell you a very similar story pre-Half Wheel. He, he had the same experience as well. So kind of along the ways, I think we were seeing that the content out there was just weak and not, you know, it could have been better. There was some, I don't want to say everything was bad. There was some, there's some good guys out there. The Stogie Review guys had some excellent content there. So they did well, you know, as well. There, were, there was others that were good. I don't want to say it was all bad, but there was a lot of bad stuff out there.
1: And what's, um, so when when that blog started, was it always called cigar coopcom Yeah. Okay. yeah, It was. Yeah. And um how yeah. did you how did you uh develop a relationship with and get started working um back when you were with uh Stogie Geeks? How did that come about?
2: Um what happened was I was a big fan of um Stogie Geeks. Um and I really just kind of I liked this show. It was a show that you know, was on there. Um, they had a they had kind of a cult following and you know, so I was I always enjoyed the show. At the 2013 show, I met uh, one of the hosts of the, the old stogie geeks. Uh, was a guy by the name of Stogie Santa. And we we just kind of hit it off like I mean, when we hit it off it was like, you know, he was like my long lost brother almost, right? And we just that day became like instant friends and he then said "Hey, at the time there was another host on Stogie Geeks who was leaving and he suggested to those guys, I come in to Stogie Geeks and, and replace him. And, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. So we, you know, I went in there eventually, uh, the guy who owns Stogie Geeks guy by the name Paul Asadorian, um, we started talking and we said, Hey, let's form a, a kind of a collaborative partnership where we can kind of leverage all the same infrastructure. We can kind of work on a common set of sponsors and, and, uh, you know, you would own Cigar Coop, you know, for the most part, and you could have a role in Stogie Geeks, you know. He goes, I'm not looking to take over Cigar Coop or anything. He goes, I just think it's a – so we formed this collaborative partnership a few weeks after um, I joined the show.
1: Okay. Very cool. And um, so you were on uh, with Stogie Geeks for uh, – was it five years? Three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. So yeah. I cool. and, and when did you – when did you decide that you were going to, you know, branch off on your own, start Cigar Coupe primetime, and, um, you know, what did that first look like when you um, decided to make that transition?
2: There were there, there, issues cropped up that last year. Um, so, what happened is, eventually, some of the other hosts left, and, uh, including Stogie San, I'm, I'm, Stogie Santa, because we're very close, um, but he left, and it was Paul and I, and, There were issues that were cropping up, I would say, from creative differences and business differences. Um, The business differences were they had a Paul owns a studio where he does security podcasting and we were leveraging that studio. And what happened is that was that was costing a great deal of money to do that. Right. And I wasn't seeing the ROI on it Mm. to to pay for that. Um, and, And you guys know this is expensive enough. The other thing is that Paul kind of started stepping back a little, and I was bringing in guest hosts, and as I was bringing, in, I was bringing in media guys from the guest hosts. This really wasn't a show where I, I didn't really want a show where we were sitting around drinking, talking about cigars. I wanted to take it a little more of an industry focused, yeah. Um, but Paul and I, and I always respected Paul's vision for Stogie Geeks, and I never, um, I never wanted to step on that right. But I clearly wanted to take this in a different direction, so. And I felt the audience was responding to the industry direction we were taking. So, in the end, we decided to split. And I've always said it's been an, am, an amicable split. Um, I, I took Cigar Coop. he kept Stogie Geeks. Um, he was very good as far as the transaction, uh, the transition. You know, we had to move off servers and stuff like that. And you know, I think vice versa. Um, so we were able to do, we were able to kind of split the sponsors as well. A lot of sponsors went to coop i'll I'll be straight on that um and that's what happened they kept doing their show they changed it completely afterwards so you know um i but the stogie geeks partnership grew cigar coop there's no question about it i if i had to do it again i would do it again because um coop those shows as as those shows started getting more popular people started paying attention to cigar coop for reviews and news so I, I, i think it was a great thing
0: yeah, absolutely. Hey, and I just want to remind everybody that's watching live, please feel free to leave uh, questions and uh, comments uh, for uh, Coop and, you know, for us, for whatever. Let us know what you're smoking. Get involved in the comments. Uh, we plan on just having a real chill uh, cool fun night here.
1: Yeah, it's this is kind of like Open Line Friday. I mean, we yep. can just anything you guys want to talk about or, or any any of that stuff, just shoot it in the mm-hmm. comments. We'd be happy to, you know, cover everything. Goat breeding, goat breeding. Yeah. Um, uh, what what else? Uh, uh, laser trajectory. Uh, I'm just trying to make shit up.
0: Yep. We'll <laughs> talk about laser trajectory.
1: Yeah, whatever that means, if mm-hmm. that's a real thing. Uh, Somebody it. find out. Somebody find out. Um, so, so coop, there's you have you have a lot going on in the in the world of cigar media. I mean, it's not just it's not just the website. It's not just the reviews. It's not just the news. I mean, you've got um, you're very personally invested. You've got cigar coop. You've got primetime. You've got primetime special edition. You've got now primetime cigar jukebox. You've got you contribute to KMA talk radio. Um, what is it that keeps you so interested and invested and dedicated to the premium cigar industry?
2: You know, you guys probably I don't know if you guys have the same view of it, but so you got obviously, you know, if you're doing it, you got a passion about cigars. Right. Mm-hmm. And the industry. But that's not enough. If you're going to do what we're doing, you got to have passion about the, the media platform and the media you're delivering. If you're not passionate about this piece, um, you're going to you're going to quickly fade Right. And right. I've seen it happen a hundred times. You know, someone, you know, they love this. Right. And uh, hey, let's we're going to form a podcast. We're going to form a blog. We're going to form a website, whatever, um, a YouTube channel. And most of these guys are gone within a month. And once you get mm-hmm. off the rails, you never recover. Right. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see now how everyone's a be her host now in the cigar industry, how that's <laughs> going to last. I think there'll be a few that will last. I really do. I think there'll be a few that will last. But most of these guys, they're going to fall off before this is all
1: over. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, For me, you know, and I think we all have our own, you know, um, interests that that bring us in. But um, I knew that there was, by the time that Matt and I kind of started chatting a little bit about what we wanted to do, um, for me, it was I love the culture of cigars and i know that there's awesome stories to be told and um i wanted to bring that piece out in into the world and and tell stories that maybe nobody else is telling and and um just have a great time doing it
2: yeah i mean there was a little bit of that too with, with the podcast my vision for the podcast was to form Mike and the Mad Dog Mike and Mike for Cigars mm-hmm. that's what yep. i wanted to do yep um hard hitting afternoon drive time radio for the cigar industry
1: yeah yeah.
2: Um, and that's and I, I felt not like not like there's there's a couple of shows that go there's one show I could think in particular goes way over the top. Right. Not not something like that. But, you know, I know cigar. I always thought Cigar Authority and KMA had the morning drive show, like maybe KMA's morning drive radio. Cigar Authority's like that midday radio. I thought there was that drive time piece that was missing from the end of, mm-hmm. from any podcast right now.
0: And we're like the Conan O'Brien.
2: <laughs> no, no. I, I, you guys, it's interesting. Are you guys the late, like the 6 p.m. to 8 p.m.? Are you guys the, the, or midday? I'm trying to figure it out. Or maybe a drive time, like you guys. I don't know. I don't think you're morning. I don't think you're the morning guys.
1: I, I think, I, I think we're grateful to even have, you know, the, the, uh, I'll take the two AM time slot.
2: No, you're not, <laughs> not. You're not that. You're not that. Listen, so You guys, for how, it. How, how many episodes this have you done right now?
1: This is fifty-four.
2: You're, you guys, yeah, you guys are already halfway to hundred, and most people don't get to twenty sometimes. So,
1: yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it was just. Yeah. I think it was just over a year ago that we that we actually uh, did the first facebook live i think mm-hmm. it was in april of last year that we did the first facebook live and, and in my at the old house at in my little garden shed with <laughs> horrible internet that kept crashing you know where all the shows ended up being in three part you know uh three three <laughs> episodes for one show because the internet kept dying on us but yeah um what uh what can you tell us about how you got involved with uh, doing news and industry segments with the guys at uh, at KMA Talk Radio.
2: Um, KMA Talk Radio has been around forever, so like you guys and like myself, I've always been a consumer of these cigar media uh, shows. Like, so I, I I probably watch all the major ones at some point. You know, even if it's on demand, I, I try to just make sure I'm, I'm 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 up to date on it. So KMA is always something that's on. KMA became one I'd always listen to live. It was it was almost like a Saturday morning tradition. And, um, they, when they started out, they had a segment called, uh, bloggers corner and, um, hmm. where they would bring on a different blogger and rotate them every week. Um, they weren't happy with most of the bloggers they brought on. Right. Um, because they just weren't like, they'd ask him a review a cigar. And mostly again, like this is a time when the cigar media wasn't as strong as it is now. There were a lot of weak content. They just guys went on unprepared. Um, they, they, they hadn't smoked a cigar. They hadn't really smoked the cigar. It was, it was becoming clear. It wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, concurrently, I got, I I was getting to know Abe, uh, because I was spending time in Florida and I got to know him, you know, so, you know, he, he put me, I was one of the guys who kind of lasted through the rotation. Then they decided they were always doing news, right. And they were, they were pretty much pulling the news from Charlie and myself. Right. And they said, Hey, rather than pull the news from Charlie and myself, why don't we just bring these guys on right so they yeah. picked so they picked charlie of course right i was a little pissed right <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't gonna lie right so I said, I said i said guys you didn't even let me come to the table with a proposal so i said and i said okay no hard feelings look it's, it's what it is what it is right i said just keep me in mind if, if it doesn't work out um i think they decided to make a change about a year later in 2017 right around the time i left i just announced i was leaving uh stogie geeks so basically they gave me this this ten minute segment. Hey, just bring your top news stories from Cigar Coop onto the show. And um you know, you can go you can go forward with that. Um and it's your segment, we'll promote it. And um that's for the past three years we've been doing it. It's a very easy segment for me to prep because I I've done all the work already. Yeah, because you've um, already
1: published the content in some way, shape, or form, whether it's on on your own shows or yeah. on your website.
2: Mm-hmm. So. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So it was easy. And, and then they let me, when I'm down in Florida, they let me go in and co-host it, uh, in the studio, which is a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we've got a good viewer question here um, from our buddy Daniel, a.k.a. Big Bear. Talk about how you got on Smooth Draws. You missed that show.
2: Um. Yeah. Okay. That was so right around the time I left. Like, okay. Let me back up. They were, the Smooth Drawers guys had a very different brand than everyone else. They were very much, they were doing a radio show out of Atlanta in the ESPN studios that was um, really designed for two things. It was more around cigar lifestyle and for new cigar smokers. They were also running trips to Cuba and Ooh. I went to Cuba with those guys. In 2016. And while I was there, uh, I remember I was having a conversation with those guys we were overlooking. We're, we're in a uh, Airbnb overlooking the Malacone. Right. Beautiful. One morning and we're ta- and they said, hey, would you like to join the show? And I'm like, well, um, what's happening is, you know, I, I'm, I'm invested in Stogie Geeks right now. Right. Um, so I, I don't think it would be in the best interest for me to take this on. And um, they said, "Hey, if anything changes, let us know." Like, so when the situation started, when I knew that the divorce was coming from Stogie Geeks, I, I contacted them, and uh, they were very. They said, "Hey, we want you to come down, and, and you know, we'd love to have you as part of the show." I was already doing some guest segments on there, um, and what was really cool—that was show was based in Atlanta. I was going there a lot, right? But I got real radio experience with that, mm. so. Um, that was and that was a v- much more than I had with KMA, which is again I use a call in for that, but I was actually and I, I mean doing real radio is is a whole different animal than doing a podcast. Let me tell you, and I went through some real <laughs> challenges with that. That wasn't, easy, but it was a, it was great. Um, what happened? Unfortunately, the founder of the show passed away, yeah. a guy named Gary Laden, and really that show was Gary's vision. I didn't feel I can do justice to that show, nor do I think I can move that show. Out of Atlanta, so unfortunately, the show came to a close, um, which we weren't really planning that. Yeah, but I think I—I I don't regret that because again, that was Gary's vision. I don't think I could have—I would have morphed that show into something it wasn't because Gary—Gary Gary understood. Like Gary got the cigar lifestyle; he knew how to do it, and he would basically knew how to incorporate the other players in. Who maybe I'm an industry guy, Nick. Nick's actually a manufacturer guy, and yeah. Chad is a producer. He, he knew how to orchestrate all that. That wasn't my strength being cigar lifestyle, and, and it would have changed the show. So it came to an end. But I, that was a wonderful year I had with those guys.
1: Yeah. So you have been, you know, you've been producing content in cigar media for ten plus years now. In some way, shape or form, you've been producing content as a cigar media member for 10 plus years. And you mentioned a a few minutes ago about, you know, seeing YouTube channels and blogs and things like that start up and then go away, you know, in, in that time. Um, and I have, I've also seen that, but, but, um, in, in the last 10 years, I mean, there have to have been, let's just take, let's just take YouTube channels alone. Um. I mean, I can, and I'm not going to name any because there's no point to it, but I, I can think of at least six YouTube channels that I thought had pretty good starts over the last 10 years that are nowhere to be found anymore, that haven't produced any content of any kind in 10 years. And I can think of at least another six blogs that, that I was a huge fan of that, that mm-hmm. uh, disappointingly, you know, they're not producing content anymore. What do you think the, um, you know, for, um, if, if, and we've asked this of cigar brand owners and manufacturers too, you know, as far as, you know, that, that old, uh, cliche of, you know, oh, I want to be in the cigar business or, oh, I want to have a cigar media website or a YouTube channel or something. And you know, that cliche is be careful what you wish for. So what do you think the number one driving factor behind, um, Behind some of these you know media sites and YouTube channels coming up and having good strong starts and then just fading away and and you know falling falling off the cliff
2: It's work yeah <laughs> it's, it's work okay so yeah. it, it, there's there's time you're putting into this right um uh, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of time, and there's materials you know. There's costs associated with that. And then what do you need to do to get, to get those costs? You either have to take it out of your own pocket or you have to bring a sponsor in. That's work to bring a sponsor yeah. in. So suddenly, yeah. like someone who really enjoys cigars and can talk cigars really well, they say, you know what? I, this is great. I have a platform now where, hey, I don't have to have a radio studio anymore to get started with this. So I don't have to have a, um, a magazine. You know, there, there are avenues mm-hmm. where I can get in that are, that are less expensive, but there's still costs and time that are associated with that. And yeah. that's where I see things happen. W- you know, a lot of guys also, there's different levels that they go into this with, right? They're, they're, the, they're pure hobbyist guys who get in this for the hobbyist aspects. And they, they can get close. And, you know, like, like Stogie Review is a good example of it. I think they've always been, but they've been around and they, they've always kept on top of being uh, like, but I think they've always come from the hobbyist point of view. You know, they're not looking to take over the world, right? They have a good yeah. product and they're not looking to take over the world. Right. So, there's that, and then there's guys who want to try to run this as a business, and that's that's another challenge as well. Um, and I've like talked to some of these guys running this business. I'm like, they ask me, well, what do you do for an invoice? Like, what do you do? How do you get a W nine? Like, uh, you know, you have a bank <laughs> yeah. account, do you have a credit card, like, uh, um, you know, little things like that. And they realize they have, you know, my wife runs the business end of Cigar Coop. Okay. I don't I don't, because if I didn't have her, I don't know what I'd have to hire a manager, a business manager at this point, or because I know I couldn't do it. Right. I don't have the head for that. But so as as you grow, the whole business piece comes in there. So it's, it, it's, it's work, you know, and you've done 50 something shows already. Right. I guarantee that some week you're, man, it, it you're dragging a little more than other weeks. I mean, I've had it with, mm-hmm. with, with the run and yep. it's always, it always happens. So you just have to kind of, you have to kind of treat it as a, I call it a jobby. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the best way to put it. I'm not going to get rich off what I do.
1: No. Um. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe in a few years I will do this full time, but I'll see. I haven't I haven't made that call yet.
1: Yeah. Well, what do you think? Because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk out there whether it could be well, we can't do this right now, obviously, but during normal circumstances. Sitting around, you know, the, the, the comfy chairs and couches at the cigar lounge or having conversations on a Facebook thread or having conversations on a, on a web forum. Uh, what do you think the most misunderstood or, or just, uh, what do you think the general misunderstanding is of consumers out there? And especially, and, and when I'm talking consumers, I'm talking people who actually, uh, care enough to spend time consuming cigar media, whether it's watching a, a show like this or watching a show like yours or reading your reviews, things like that. What do you think the most misunderstood thing is out there in the world about um, uh, the cigar media in general? What do people not get?
2: I don't think they understand that every media person has a niche. And at hmm. times they want your brand to be something it's not Mm. or they don't understand like like what news is right so you know a good example is um someone will someone i'll get messages from people saying hey there was a cigar event and it was great and so and so got drunk there why don't you put this in your website like no we don't do that right (laughs) (laughs) no no no, we're not gonna do or hey why don't you take audience questions the whole show right and I'm like well we don't do that we have there's other shows that do that why am i trying to reinvent the 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 wheel on that right or you know i've had i've had people say why do you have um why are your reviews um so detailed why don't you make them less detailed i'm like well that's what we do that's kind of where we built our core competencies and strengths on those types of things um so I think that's the part I, I, I struggle Too many people want to make Cigar coupe or primetime shows into something they're not. And I think you have to accept that there's, there's other forms of media, there's other things. You know, I get a lot because I cut back on shop-exclusive reviews for a lot. I mean, we, we go down that route, right? But, but people upset I don't do shop-exclusive stuff anymore. Half Wheel does it much better. Let them cover that space. Mm. I want to I go where, where, where my strengths are, and, and I like to say it, it's worked. So I, I hate having because our 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 the people who support us are the, are really wonderful, right? And I hate no to note of them sometimes mm-hmm. on that, but I have to, right? Because I'm not going to change these things into what they're not.
1: Well, and it makes sense for because because you're to, I I think you're really right about that, and and I I I mean we're still learning that as we go that you have to. Um, have you have to have like you said a, a niche you have to have because there's a brand behind all of it and mm-hmm. it's you know what is what is your what is your brand you know each and that's the same the same is true for each cigar company
0: you or know any each, business each,
1: or any business you know you've got you know the, the the products at their core are essentially the same, but there's there's something about the way that it's presented. There's something about the way it's marketed. There's something about the way that the consumers react to it and 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 take it all in. And and it could be a cigar company, it could be a beer company, it could be a a, a media provider like like you that that uh, if like you said, if somebody wants to get a particular kind of content and it's not the kind of content that you produce there are other um media outlets out there that do produce that kind of content on a regular basis that those consumers can can find
2: right you know here's another one we got right steve sock complained he didn't like the inside baseball insider baseball approach that we were doing on primetime but that's what we built primetime on it was yeah. the mm-hmm. idea was to create that create that avenue that didn't exist before so yeah. And you know, if you, there's a really good book by Fred. Have you read Fred Rui's "Be the Lime book? Yes, that that was a big inspiration when I started the, when I hmm. left Toge Geeks and started cigar coop. I started looking at his technique, saying, "How do I can I stand out from everybody else? How is all these lemons out there? How can I be the lime? And I, yep. I think that had one of the most that had the, one of the biggest influences. And I tell Fred, I don't to this day that 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 was very valuable reading for me.
1: Yeah, and it, it was for me as well. That's that yeah. was honestly yeah. that book. There were inspirations in that book because. You know, and people people know. I, I've talked about it a lot. I used to be a part of Blind Man's Puff, and I loved my experience there, and I love those guys, and I think they do a great job with what they do. But it, I reached a certain point where I I wanted something a little different, and um, uh, just made a choice. And part of it, part of the choice was saying, "Man, I'm not getting any younger, so <laughs> if I'm ever going to do this, I you know I should probably do it now." Exactly. And, that book was that there were a lot of things in that book that sort of gave me the, the little bit of maybe fire I needed under my butt to, you know, just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to make this decision. I'm going to move forward with it and, and just do it.
2: Yeah. no, uh, It was exactly kind of how I looked at it. And it helped that Fred being in the cigar industry wrote that book. So we had kind of yeah knew about it, which made how yeah. had he not been, he had, he wrote that book and he not been in the cigar industry. I don't know if I ever would have saw that book. So it's kind of, yeah. it has a way of things.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and speaking of Fred, um, he often posts silly, funny things. And um, a couple months ago, he posted, "What are the two foods you will never eat?" And I don't know if you remember, Coop, but yep. uh, you put eggs and bananas. Yep. Help me out there.
2: So I, <laughs> I'll just say I'm not the only person in cigar media who doesn't eat eggs. First of all, right uh, trip from Star <laughs> Federation's in the club. Um, I my mom never liked eggs. She might have made me eggs once as a kid, and I hated it. Right, and the smell to this day just just is overpowering with me. Right, I just I can't be around the smell of. It, there's nothing worse than someone comes in my car with an egg McMuffin. Right, it, <laughs> I can't take it. Right, I, I I'm a, we were we were at we were at um, IPCPR the day the fire happened. Right. And so we all went to the show, late, like, and everyone wanted to go to breakfast, right? And I was in the middle of doing, I think, my KMA segment, right, uh, calling. So those guys went out to breakfast, right? And I said, hey, just shoot me a text message where you are. And they go to this place called, like, the Excellent something. Like, I'm like, God, I'm like, die, right?
0: So I said, God,
2: I just hope I can get a burger, right? I got in there, and I was looking to get a burger, right? <laughs> oh, it was, it was it was terrible. Bananas, that is just, yeah, the. Uh, nah.
1: Randy, yeah. Randy disagrees. <laughs> Randy says that's insane. I raise chickens just for the eggs. I was that way growing up. We, my family, raised chickens mainly for the eggs too. Growing up, but uh, you, you, what know, about, you know about what's the deal with bananas?
2: They're just slimy and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they get brown easy and stuff. Yeah. Here's,
1: here's the question though: Do you like do you like plantains like tostones?
2: Not a big fan of them.
1: No. Okay. Okay.
2: Huh? Yeah, but I mean the eggs. Just...
0: <coughs> eggs and bananas—two things I love. You, you know no, what I, I do? Play.
2: The Easter eggs with my kids—we blow the yolk. We we drain the yolk, I should say, out of it. We pick, oh, yeah. the yolk, drain the yolk, and then they'd have yep. Easter eggs they can keep forever.
0: There you go. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. Did I you, think it's gone. Did your brain
1: fart? I did. Okay. What about? Um. And this is totally off the cuff, but you know the... Be, it's you said it's the smell of eggs. So have you ever been to Yellowstone and you know places where they have the the you know the natural hot springs and the geysers and that kind of thing. Can you can you even be around that?
2: It's hard. Um actually Charleston, South Carolina has that sulfury egg smell from some of the yeah. plants there. Uh, it's tough. Um I can do it. I can manage with it. Um it's not like that egg on the stove where the yolk is just cracked and uh, I don't know it's <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I can. T- I can t- deal with that though.
0: When well, my grandma, you know, growing up, uh, she had well water, and it was, it was a little sulfury, little irony. Oh yeah, and it uh, it definitely reminded me of eggs.
1: I I seriously eat eggs every day. Oh, Hector doesn't like liver. H- Hector, I'm with you there, Hector. Liver, I I've eaten I liver I twice get- in my life. I can do liver both, both times. I was forced, and I can't. Yeah, it was L- no liver.
2: Way. Liver's on the list too. Um, we, I mean, my dad, who's Jewish, one of the things they eat, we, we used to eat as a delicacy was chopped liver, and that stuff was mm-hmm. awful. I mean, it was yeah, just awful. yeah. So, but I'm not a lot of people eat liver like bananas and eggs, so it's a little different, <laughs> I think.
0: Well, I think culture is changing too because uh, liver and onions used to be a staple. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, and yeah. you don't. You don't see it anymore. Really
2: yeah, deli meat. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so another uh, another piece of trivia that you uh, kind of threw out was the Giada versus Rachel.
1: Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> that, that that I could not I,
0: believe I, the firestorm
1: that caused. Well, okay,
2: so I got to give credit to he- this started as a as a conversation thread between Seth, guys, Hector, and myself. I don't know like how it started. <laughs> um I admit, I Hector. Uh, Hector's listening, so he'll, uh, he'll test this. I, PG, I PG'd that, that question a bit, okay? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it was a little more, the question was a little more risque about, like, who would you want, Giada or or Rachel, right? And Seth and I were on Team Giada, and he was holding firm to Rachel, right? Um, but I have a lot of female friends who do follow me, so I, I clean it up into like a home cooked meal. But I I knew full well how everyone's gonna answer. And and it was like it was a landslide for Giada.
0: It really was. It really was. And you know, if if you're a food network uh nut like I am, um it, it's clear it's a clear winner who, you know, personality wise and every put the cooking aside. Um, I will say one of my favorite hot ones episode was Rachel Ray. She impressed me. I think more than any other guest. Are are you familiar with hot ones, the YouTube show where they do the hot wings?
2: Yeah, yeah, I I am. I didn't really, she did that, but yeah, but
0: she took a spoonful of each sauce before eating each wing. Oh, wow. So she doubled down and she, she earned some brownie points in my, in my book.
1: Well, one one of the and not to get off on a, off the rails here, but that show one of the uh, uh, guests on there took each wing and instead of just doing the last dab, he put an extra dab on every single wing, and that was uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yep. And by the way, that episode, he he can he can uh, deny it all he wants. That dude was high as balls oh my during gosh. that episode. He was gone. <laughs> he was. He was just lit up beyond Christmas tree level. That, but that I highly recommend if you it's like a that show, show, watch that episode. Yeah. Um, so, Coop, there's so much. I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now with you know uh, social distancing and all this stuff, and you know the the cigar industry is definitely feeling it. Um, you wrote a great uh, piece about that, and, and you've talked about it extensively. Um, you know. To, let's let's kind of go through it one piece at a time yep what do you think what do you think the long term effects are going to be for um for small to medium brick and mortar retailers who don't rely on an online sales presence? what do you think the long term effects are going to be for them
2: it, there's going to be some catastrophic effects uh there's going to be stores who close mm-hmm. uh, you know the bottom line is if your storefront is closed, you're not delivering your business. Like, think about for a second: if the internet was shut down for us, how would we deliver our content, right? Yeah. So think about it now for a retail who doesn't have that online piece; they're, they have that 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 brick and mortar piece, um, and they've been total. I mean, they're basically their businesses come to. I don't want to say halt because like a lot of guys have tried to get creative um, to do this. But the bottom line is a lot of these guys aren't, like, making big money right now doing this. There's a lot of guys out there who open stores basically a little bit as a hobbyist even sometimes. I can tell you that. And I'm not saying all the stores are like that. Um, there's some of these guys who do it as second jobs with their stores. Yeah. Um, You know, how much money could they bleed? So I think some of these stores are unfortunately going to shut down, which is a shame. I think it will grow back, but it's not going to be overnight. Yeah. And it's a shame because... Yeah. Get it's it, it. it really is. Yeah. As much as retailers drive me crazy, I don't like to see them go through this at
0: all.
1: Yeah, because it's not. I mean, it's it's one thing having a shop where you can go and buy your cigars, right? But it's it's the lounge piece mm-hmm. to me that is that is light years more valuable to the cigar culture as a, to the premium cigar culture as a whole. It's the lounge piece where you go in you buy your cigars, maybe you're a member and you have a locker and things like that, and you go and you sit in the chairs and you watch the game or you talk about bullshit or whatever it is. And those, I I think that is going to be a great, because we're we're always going to have, hopefully, We're always going to have a place where we can go, whether it's virtually or walk-in, where we can buy our cigars that we want to smoke. But having a place where we can not only buy our cigars that we want to smoke, but we can take that cigar right away, cut it and light it and sit down and have a conversation. That is so valuable. And Mm -hmm. I am sad for some, unfortunately, you're right. There are some shops across the country here and there that are probably not going to be able to make it
0: through this. And it's more valuable in a climate like ours. You know, there are places where... Where
1: it's cold more than half the year. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. We really rely on those lounges. But down where Coop is, you know, you could easily have a little herf outside, you know, somewhere on every, any given day, you know, in a February or whatever. And um, it'll be all right. Yeah.
2: So at first I thought, okay, when the lounges are closing, okay, it won't affect the business that much, right? If they have the... the the retail humidor and stuff like that. As I started thinking about that, it's not really the case, right? Because if social, if this social distancing practice, I don't think it's going to go away overnight, right? Do we now start to see lounges have less people? And maybe instead people are, you know, they're buying stuff at, they're they're, they're not getting in the car to go to the store when they can go online and buy something, right? Um, You know, I know what what, me, for example, I called my four regular brick-and-mortars, and I said, send me the cigars. I'm not doing curbside. Send me the cigars. And I did that with each of them. And I'm going to be doing another round them just to kind of keep it going, right? Because I, I want them to reopen. But, you know, again, you mentioned people go in. There's guys who just go in, and they buy a cigar, and they sit in the lounge every day. And if the lounge pieces start to really change, we could th- th- this this privilege we've had for all these years, it may change radically right now.
1: Yeah, yep. Exactly. And that's,
2: that's what I'm. That's a shame if that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but the other side of me says people go back to the bars, so maybe they'll go back to the lounges. So.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't think the I think the bars once they reopen they're going to be packed. So.
1: Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, that's. But yeah.
2: I don't know. Maybe it's something about the cigar lounge with filtration and how things move around. With people, got think a little different. So.
1: Yeah. So this kind of the same question, but for another segment of the industry. You know, for cigar brands, uh, and again, I, I mean the the big conglomerates like General Cigar and Altadis, um, maybe Altria. You know, who owns Nat Sherman. You know, those the Davidoff, maybe l- really large brands that have that have international footprints and and have a uh, have a lot of uh, you know money set aside for hopefully for a rainy day like this but for you know medium companies down to small cigar uh brands what do you see as long term effects for them
2: um i think there's going to be changes with them as well um i think there's going to be some brands who go away um
1: are just- you are you thinking uh brands that go away entirely or brands are are you are you seeing in the future possibly some uh acquisitions
2: I think it's a combination of both, especially with those medium-sized companies. I think there'll be some acquisitions happening where maybe yeah. if someone wasn't looking to sell now, they may be looking to sell down the road. Um, yeah. they're gonna have to, they, they, there's damage done that these companies going to have to just get out of right now. And what we don't know is we really don't know what the cash flow of these companies were to begin with. Right. So uh, that's where I see the concern right now. Everyone will tell you their company's doing great. Right? You ask them. That? Everyone will tell you their company's doing great. But when you – same thing, I think you're going to see – I think you'll see staff reductions that like we saw it with the floor. I think you're going to see more of it. I don't see if they if they haven't happened already.
1: Mm, yeah. Oh, i got to put this up on screen. The small Bear, one – ma- Bear says bring back the beard, Matt Tie So I – right. it's just a beard, Bear. It'll grow back. It's okay. <laughs> I just – once a year, I give my face a break. And it, I don't like myself without the beard either, but my wife loves it, and tomorrow's her birthday, so there you go. You do, you do the math. <laughs>
2: Bear, Bear, Bear needs to get the trimmers. I've, I've encouraged him to use some trimmers. <laughs> I bust on him. Now, we want Bear to be Bear, so that's all good.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Bear. Uh, yeah.
1: So sorry, Coop. I, I think I cut you off. You were you had another thought about uh, cigar brands there.
2: The small small company is going to be real interesting, right? Because some of them, like basically a one, uh, you know, chef cook and bottle washer, right? So maybe they don't have, I mean, these are the really uber boutiques, right? Since they don't have big budgets, you know, and they don't have sales reps and stuff like that. And as long as they don't have like big inventory sitting, they may be able to the weather some of this too. You know, so yeah, if you look at it that way.
1: So um, another segment of the industry is uh, that a lot of consumers don't think about. Um, and we try to encourage consumers to think about that. Uh, and, and you know, keep it in their minds, you know, uh, just to remember and, and realize where their products come from are cigar producing countries, Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic. You know, what's Alabama, <laughs> Alabama, definitely mm-hmm. huge cigar producer mm-hmm. in Alabama. Mm-hmm. But what do you see as long term effects? Because short term effects are what they are. But it's the long-term effects, especially I think, based on evidence and history, long-term effects for those Central American countries and those those Caribbean areas. What do you think the long-term effects are going to be for them if if this if this uh, continues on really long, long, long-term?
2: Yeah, I I can't imagine um, staff reductions not happening. Uh, you know, especially with the situation in DR, where those those factories are closed, and I, I'm hearing they're all still closed. By the way, I heard a couple of reports that some open, but I don't think that's the case. Um, but for the most part, I think they're all closed. Nicaragua is a different story. I think they – Nicaragua they closed because of the Holy Week last week, and they just took an extra week off. Some may some may start to reopen again, but regardless, you know, if there's if there's less production, right? Um, there's going to be less people needed, right, during this yeah. time. But some some of these some of the manufacturers are trying to keep these guys going. I mean, you saw the story about Alec Bradley today. What they're doing? Nick Perdomo is uh taking care of his workers. Mm-hmm. Christian is doing it. And um, Honduras is the one that scares me a lot right now.
1: Well, yeah, crazy. and Honduras has been, um, Honduras just at, overall uh, as as a you know, as a sovereign country has been less healthy than these other countries mentioned for, you know, a few decades, really. Right. And this could only just serve to be another, you know, uh, you know, another thing to tip the scales, maybe in a, a, unfortunately in a bad direction for Honduras.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think it could definitely be uh, like, I, I, Nicaragua, I think time's going to tell we don't know what the extent of the virus is in Nicaragua is the problem, so yeah what are they it's hard
1: for them to to it's hard for them they don't have enough ways to test you know people who are showing symptoms down there. We barely have enough here in the states
2: right so we and, but there's cases reported in the two bordering countries of Costa Rica and to the south and, and Honduras to the north. How does Nicaragua not have this is is really it's kind of an odd thing on that, yeah. You
0: have something. Um, I wanted I to. Talk did, I, did
2: I answer that okay? I don't know if I answered that okay. No, I, absolutely yeah, nailed it. Oh, well, if, okay.
1: before before you shift into that, Garrett, yeah. I, one other piece of the cigar industry that I that I want uh, I want to get Coop's thoughts on as far as long term effects are the uh, the the organizations that uh, play big roles in the industry, whether it's the PCA or the TAA. The CRA organizations like that. Where where do you see the long term effects for those big orga- organizations like that?
2: I think they'll still be around. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think their missions will change all that much. Um, you know, so I, I don't see huge changes happening. If anything, I saw. I've seen of all the organizations, I think the one organization that's really stepped up here, and, and they t- there we beat up on them all the times. The PCA. I think they've, they've really, I know they haven't decided on the trade show yet. And I think there's reasons for that, but you know, they're, 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 they're communicating every day on this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they're doing the things like they're being a little more prescriptive on things, which, which has been my criticism of them for 10 years, like be prescriptive. Right. So I, I think maybe some of that, maybe that can actually improve what they're doing right now. Um, maybe that will focus them more on those types of things, supporting their constituents, Unless on worrying about a trade show. So maybe some of that will occur, but I don't think the organizations are are in trouble. Maybe TAA changes, um, which I don't consider them a policy organization. They're a buying club. Um, Maybe TAA goes totally virtual at this point with how they kind of conduct their business. Um, So, you know, know, where maybe they, you know, maybe there's no more trips to Cabo or something like that for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what about, so the, you know, the staying on the trade show front uh, TPE had a really good showing this last year. A lot of people were impressed with it. What do you think they bring to the table next year? Do they continue to grow that cigar piece in the show and, you know, make that a uh, bigger showcase? Or
2: they got a huge opportunity coming up right now, especially if there is no uh, PCA trade show this year. They have right. a chance to be the first product trade show like since. You know, they have a chance to be more major right now. I do, yeah. The problem is I don't think they're set up to be a major trade show yet. Um, you know, they, they're, they they were very friendly to small companies. They were very friendly to companies that play in some of those convenience store um, areas. Um, but, you know, for example, companies like General and Altidus and Oliva, they had tiny tables at this thing, right? Generals was like a card table they literally had right where they were they were working. Georgia yeah. State another story they had a huge boost. Do they do these companies now say, you know, given the situation with PCA, then do they now invest in those trade shows a little more to showcase the product? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they do that or not yet. Um, yeah. But there's an opportunity. To see.
0: Yeah. I
2: did. I didn't like. This is what I didn't like about TPE. Everyone talked about the red and the blue carpet, right? So you walk in, and on the red carpet was tobacco, and on the right carpet it was uh, vapes and alternative products. The vapes and alternative products had all the beautiful booze, right? The tobacco piece was like it just didn't look as nice, right? It looked it, it just it had a little more, you know. If I had to say, Beverly Hills was the alternative piece. This had a little more of an of a urban feel to it. You know what I mean? Um, not that it was bad or anything because urban areas have their own. But, you know, I wasn't, you know, if people in the tobacco industry didn't care about that, though. They weren't, they didn't feel intimidated by that. But I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that Vape had the, be- had, had the better looking booze. I, I hated looking at that, right?
1: Well, I, wanted, you think, I wanted
2: us to have the same thing, yeah.
1: Do you think that was a by design of the organization that puts on that trade show or was it more because the premium cigar piece is still sort of in its infancy in relation to that trade show
2: yeah i think it's more the, the former right i think there was a, okay. a conservative attempt to get people to go there and give them financial incentives so you know for example there were folks who were in the pavilion area basically they paid like x number of dollars and it was oh, i don't want to quote the numbers I can't forget but it's extremely low number and they basically just showed up and they had a turnkey operation ready to just display their products right they didn't have to go through all the boost designs so I think the cigar industry felt all the growing pains of doing that right and they didn't want to do that but eventually I think it's going to grow into that right I think especially you know if if people start because there's other things that TPE brought to the table you know they brought better they brought better customer service frankly Um, and that was noticeable with every no matter how big or small you are with that it was just a better order. It was, it was, they, they made an attempt to make everyone feel welcome there. And, you know, this is a sensitive industry. So people respond to that positively.
1: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Yep. Um, so trend, you know, changing gears just a little bit, um, you know, question wise, this is something that, that I love to, uh, you know, get, get people's, uh, um, opinions on is, uh, And this is this is a great question for you, because, again, you're not, uh, you know, um, tied directly to any brand. But if you were to have to choose, you know, that that famous question of if you were to have to choose the desert island cigar where you're you're relegated to only have, you know, 20 boxes of of one particular cigar for, you know, being stranded somewhere. uh, Can you can you even narrow it down to one? Yes. What is that?
2: la aurora sienaños additiona special it's the maduro they did
0: mm,
1: yes which yeah. vitola was that the they
2: only did a robusto with it
1: okay okay in
2: the maduro in the maduro yeah
1: yeah yeah that's that was wow that was what was that th- four years ago
2: they actually came out in two thousand thirteen, twelve, and 13 okay we fell in love with that cigar in stogie geeks um and it was it was my choice for the cigar of the decade, but it is absolutely the Desert Island cigar for me.
0: Okay,
1: um,
2: I, I I love it. Um, yeah, do you have one? Yeah, I have. I mean, I have I have a few of them left.
1: Do I? I don't.
0: I don't know. Um, yikes! I mean, mine is a uh, Hemingway classic, the Fuente Hemingway classic. Solid,
2: solid yeah.
1: Oh,
0: brother. Um,
1: I can't. Yeah, I can't. My, mm, I can't even think of one right now. Um, There are they're about 40 racing through my head right now, so I can't narrow it down. Um, How's that for a That's diplomatic? There you go. Soft? After that,
2: it'll be tough. After that, it'll be tough for me, though. Yeah. If hmm. you say, give me a second, then I really have to think about it. It gets tough.
0: Yeah. Well, Bear is proud that you didn't choose a 6x60. Six
1: I'm walking a Six by Sixty tonight, Barry. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Oh, uh, uh, what was that phrase you guys used? Uh, I, I love on um, one of your shows. You said something like, uh, um, "Gordos are
2: Gordos of Atolos too."
1: Yeah, Gordos of <laughs> Atolos too. I love, I love that phrase. That cracked me up the first time I heard that. I love it. Um, so, in regards to we talked about um you know the long term effects of uh these uh uh lockdowns and things like that as it relates to the trade show organizations but how important do you think the relationships are between cigar m- media and these organizations like PCA and and TAA and CRA what where, where do you think the where do you think the good points are in those um, you know, relationships that we have with those organizations and where do you think uh, both they as organizations and us as cigar media have room to grow and improve that.
2: All right. Let's kind of start with TAA. Cause that's the easy one. They don't care about us. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, they don't want us at, they don't want us at their convention because they don't want us to see the buying patterns. Right. And expose that. Yeah. Right. So it took a while that I could get them to actually send us press releases on the cigars. And that's a whole other, you know, my, my feelings on press release, but the TAA has been atrocious at marketing their cigars. That, that's just something that they, if they wanted, they would just be reaching out to online media and get people excited about these cigars, right? I, I understand yeah. that they don't, they don't want us covering the trade show, but, but that's the stuff that media covers. Get them into, these cigars are supposedly the best cigars by the best retailers, uh, for, uh, by the best manufacturers. <laughs> Why aren't they trio like instead they trickle out this information it's basically if, if if we call or if we we have to kind of uh you know chase down this stuff right and frankly my my readers aren't really interested in these t a cigars I mean I don't see the numbers justified sometimes, so I don't think they've done a good job at marketing these cigars I think they've put put a lot on the retailers and retailers great smart people, but they're not in the media business and yeah. I, I put that on the org so I think there's an opportunity for them to grow with that piece c r a is I think CRA plays it a little careful, but I think they've, in general, they've, they've embraced online media, right? Um yeah. I still think that they... And, and Glenn's been great to us, but I still think if it came down to a print media versus an online media site, they their preference would be print media. That's not saying we haven't gotten good treatment from them, but I think CRA's always tried to embrace everyone for the cause, too. Yeah. Um, so... I do think, you know, I think there's, I've seen some improvements with the communications at CRA over the years. So I think, uh, you know, they don't they don't have a big marketing arm either. So, you know, regardless, there's the, the criticism the CRA gets. Um, it's still an important part of our industry to to support them, um, to kind of accept them. And, um, you know, like Bear and I put put on Glenn Loop every year and we we hammer him on the show, frankly. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he's bear especially hammers right um but but he answers every question he comes on there and he doesn't hide anything and he's mm-hmm. and i'll say this C R has always treated us with a lot of respect even though i said there's a maybe a still maybe a more of a preference for print media don't get me wrong we've been treated with a lot of respect with them so i respect that
1: yep yeah and what about uh you know the one that we probably as cigar media that we interact with and deal with more than any other group and that is pca
2: so there's an interesting history with this, right? There was, you've, I don't know if you, do you know the history of how kind of the friction
1: started with, um, with the online media? I don't specifically, I, I, I heard uh, and remember. Ferdinand yeah, was King,
0: in King for
1: The Kaiser said yeah. something. No, but th- I, I remember hearing <laughs> a story that I don't remember all the pieces of once about, you know, uh, some, some people, uh, you know, just, Acting poorly at one of the trade shows. And- yeah, so
2: so what happened is they came up with the idea to open it up to bloggers, right? They were seeing other trade shows do it, right? Um, so a bunch of bloggers went. And I think for the most part, most of the bloggers were good citizens at this show. But there was one or two who went in there treating it as a hearth, you know, looking to fill up mm. their goodie bag. Okay. and And it pissed off a lot of manufacturers. Right, but who don't have the guts to say no, right? Even they, they should basically say, F you, don't, you're not getting these cigars, but they won't do that, right? Um, and it pissed off some of the retailers who were saying, Why are these guys walking around trick or treat bags? It was one or two guys that really fucked it up for everybody. Um, so there was this notion of like, you know, online media is bad for um, the trade show. Then in 2013. What happened is um if you know the story about being in the trade show, the big complaint we've had is we can't get on the trade show before it opens, right? And they, they've they've said it's insurance reasons or whatever, right? Um there were some guys who found loopholes to get around that and were going on the trade show floor early, right? And they were removed. And and some of them basically they were going out with manufacturers, they weren't happy and they went very vocal on social media about it, right? So that created this very bad bribe with uh, the PCA. I've had a good relationship with with IPCBR over the years. I, I really didn't fall into any of those categories. I always felt they were um, responsive to my needs. Um, they This past year, when I had to finally criticize them for some bad decisions, um, they didn't like it. It's very clear they didn't like it. Um they were very upset at us, uh, but they were taking it from a lot of fronts, right? And we, get, you know, everyone knows the stories what happened there. So there, there's, I think there's always been this kind of, as a result, there's always been a little bit of a mistrust with with online media, and I don't think they've ever gotten the fact. Like one thing that always upsets me is I look at like what I do, what Half Wheel does, what Dojo does, Cigar Federation, and Stogie Review. How come like any of that coverage we get is not on the PCA website, right? Mm. I mean, this is free publicity we're giving your show, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And and so it's easy to – I can't believe they don't get it that much. Or is it that mistrust where they are afraid to promote online media because of some of the things that happened in the past? Um, I think with Scott Pearson there, I, I like Scott. I hope he's going to be the mm-hmm. director for many years to come. Um, I agree. I've seen I've – seen, and with Christine in there, I've seen some some improvements happen there. Um, but they have to, you know, I, I don't think it's going to change overnight, but I think they need to use online media to promote that show and create excitement and interest in that show. And they have not done that. They've just let online media do their thing and rely on online media covering it, not as an organization covering it to give them the exposure to their members who are the retailers that look, look at all this excitement we have going on here. That's where I think mm-hmm. the problem is with, so I think there's opportunity, but I still think there's more work to be done there.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, we had, we were fortunate to have a good conversation with Scott on the show as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, as, as much as we wanted to go to the trade show last year, you know, we just couldn't make it happen, but, um, they have been really good, you know, even to us brand new, you know, really brand new, you know, cigar media, uh, outlet, you know, they have been very good with communicating with us and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know reaching out to us and and all that so um i am very hopeful for the future for for the pca and very curious to see you know because of everything happening with uh um you know lockdowns and events being canceled and most likely the you know the the pca trade show in the summer um you know being canceled um i'm very curious and in a way excited to see how they handle that and what they what they end up doing to, and this was actually one of the questions that I have for you is, um, and I've asked this to a couple cigar manufacturers and brand owners, you know, because when you go to that trade show, especially at the big booths, you see all these tables and chairs around and you see, they've got their whole sales force there. They've got all these boots on the ground and they're sitting down, especially that first day, day and a half where they're constantly writing orders, or at least it seems as though they're constantly writing orders. And I think I see that happening, and I remember that in my head, and I think to myself, how are those companies going to make up that ground without having that trade show? And then I think to myself, how is the PCA going to make up that ground? And, and also, how is Cigar Media gonna make up that ground because you know cigar media gets a lot of hits gets a lot of traffic from pca coverage from ipcpr coverage um so let's let's start with let's start with the media piece how do you think um you know that because the media is still going to cover stuff regardless of how it's presented from the cigar companies so what do you think uh what are your plans to you know cover? things that you would normally cover at the trade show in a new and different way.
2: Well, let me kind of say this very clearly until I understand what, let's say they have the trade show this year, right? Which I don't think happens, right? I need to understand what the plan is to make sure I feel sa- safe and not ri- at risk of infection. Yeah. And if I am not comfortable with that, um, I'm going to have to make a decision not to go to the trade show.
1: Yeah. Which, and here, and I, and I can, now
2: here's the thing. I can afford to do that, right? Because I tend to get a lot of the information before the trade show, so I won't have pictures of the booze, which, you know, I talked to Pete Johnson. He's going to have a scaled-down booth, he already said, if he goes there. Mm -hmm. So I won't have that piece. I won't have the relationship piece, which is very important, right? Um, But there are guys like Stogie Review, uh, Cigar Federation, and now Cigar Dojo that are very... Cigar Dojo has gotten very video-centric over the past few years. They're doing live streaming there now. Mm -hmm. They don't have... How do you cover the vibe of the trade show if it's something that you know, if it, it's can't, first of all, it's canceled, it's devastating for that piece, right? They're not going to have that coverage. How do they? Um, if it's stripped down, I mean, how does that work right now? You know, do do the companies are now so focused on maybe writing orders that they even bother to talk to us? I think brands like that are at great risk right now. Where I can probably weather the storm, um, and I want to try. Don't get me wrong; I want to try to go to this trade show if it happens. Um, but I I think there's huge impacts for cigar media on this. Um, you know this is it's it's the biggest time of the year for a lot of us
0: yeah well i think you're hitting on a, on a big thing that obviously reaches far wider than uh, c- cigars is there is just so much unknown about you know the next few months and what that's going to look like for all of us yeah um and and i think that's the frustrating part for so many people because with so many unknowns it is almost impossible to plan yeah you know um and uh but you know we got to keep uh you know trying to think and and uh think outside of the box to try and come up with uh new and cool ways to keep bringing awesome content
2: you know one thing that's really important as i mentioned is, is a lot of times it's like for example guys like aaron's team who goes to the show it's a lot about the relationships that they go it's mm-hmm. facetime for those guys right they don't have, like aaron's out in california uh they don't have the advantage that like I have where I can be in Florida pretty quickly and be, and I just spend a lot of time in Miami. Right. Because I can visit people there or yeah. I, I went to pro cigar. Right. So assuming there's no trade show, I could divert some of my budget. Right. It's Cigar group does have a budget, right? I can now divert some of that budget to kind of do some other things um, with that. Because again, I think the relationship piece is is very important. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I don't want to sacrifice that. Um, yeah. But they'll be. But yeah. So I I can do. That. I don't know if other media brands think like that. Sometimes and some can't, don't have the budgets to do that yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate. I will. You know, if my sponsor levels go down next year because people have to cut back, it could change everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you never know what's going to happen. Like Garrett said, we don't know what the next few months are going to bring, and it it will be not just for PCA but for so many different organizations and lots of different kinds of businesses whether it, it could be sports it could be all other kinds of conventions and things like that where they could finally make a decision and and cancel things and then within a short period of time you know the the government could start lifting these restrictions and uh the next thing you know that you know something got canceled that could have inevitably gone, you know, gone on as scheduled. So it's a risk. Either way, it's a risk, whether <laughs> whether you whether you decide to cancel now or uh, you decide to wait until the last minute and there's, you know, there's no other option but to cancel. So it'll be interesting to see what the summer brings.
2: It does. I mean, and I think from, and I'll speak, I probably could speak for Bear on this. We want to go to the trade show. Right? It's not like we don't want to go. Yeah, uh, and and I feel a uh, I feel an obligation to the cigar industry to cover the event no matter what. But if I just if I don't see something that tells me there's got to be changes logistically to accommodate right now because this virus isn't going to be gone or this threat isn't going to be gone by then. Yeah, uh, you know, there's always there's a lot you know people talking about this whole thing. Maybe there's a a second wave of it. I, I need to feel comfortable with that right now. I I and right now I don't. There's nothing out there. I originally thought they made the right decision not canceling the trade show back in March, but everything changed like a few days later so um yeah. Yeah. now I think they need to cancel it uh, and I hate to say that, but i I think it's the best thing for the industry this year to cancel the trade show
1: yeah it it probably is yep um well let's uh let's shift gears let's move into um, our weekly segment called Smocabulary Words, and as always brought to you by a j Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera A.J. Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, Diaz de Gloria, San Letano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. So, guys, this week's smokabulary word is Picadura.
0: Picadura. Sounds like a Pikachu.
1: Sounds like a... It's uh, a Pokemon. It, poc- Pokemon. My youngest son would be... Um, very disappointed to learn that Picadora is not a Pokemon character. Picadora, mm-hmm. and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the this vocabulary word of that particular week was uh, Cuban sandwich. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love a Cuban Cuban sandwich, in cigars, Cuban sandwich is a mixed filler, hand-rolled cigar. So it's made with mixed filler, a combination of uh, long and short filler, but it's still rolled by hand. So Picadora is actually the little bits and trimmings and smaller pieces of tobacco left over from the rolling process of premium hand-rolled cigars. So it's the trimmings and the, and they sometimes call it the chop that's left over from rolling those premium hand rolls, And that's what ends up going into either your short filler machine-made cigars or your mixed filler premium hand-rolled cigars. Picadura. Picadura. And that's uh. This week's smoke vocabulary word brought to you by AJ Fernandez. Like it, and now
0: it is time for Numero, Numero de los Muertos. Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra. Oveja Negra Brands brings you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent, comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissident, and Emilio. Oveja Negra brands provide smokers uncompromising blends, renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit OvejaNegraCigars.com to learn more. All right, guys. This week's Numero de los Muertos is 5,000 a year in the U.S.
1: 5,000 a year in the U.S. Yep. Um all right, so as always, um, coop as our guest, please join in with guesses, uh, our viewers, please join in uh, and leave uh, your guesses in the comments. Um, 5000 a year. do we know how long they've been keeping this
0: stat?: So I couldn't find that out, but this does come from the CDC um, and it uh well there's a little hint. You know, and it's interesting that it comes from the CDC because that's it. Kind of takes it off. It, it's really not a uh, infection or a disease or a uh, anything like that to give you kind of a, a clue. It okay. is what I would consider an accident. Okay.
1: Uh, so, Coop, what are some of the first thoughts coming to your mind? Five thousand people in. Did
0: we say United States? In the U.S. only. Okay.
2: In the U.S. only. I was going to say food poisoning, but it's got to be more than that. Like, die from food poisoning, right? Right. Dying We've, from food poisoning.
0: Right. We've had food poisoning in the past. Okay. And I want to say that's around 12,000. Like, if
2: dies from food poisoning, yeah, that's what I was going to yeah.
0: say. Um, so, uh, uh, another little hint is this happens most often in infants and the elderly. And it's accidental. Correct. Choking? It is choking. Oh my god! Wow. Specifically, choking on food. Um, but uh, choking is uh, is the correct answer.
2: That was a that was a women in the dark, guys.
1: <laughs> Coop, well Coop done. Just threw a dart yeah. and landed right on the correct answer. Yep. Well, good night, guys. Good night.
0: <laughs> I do wow. know.
1: I do know. Like my mom's
2: done elder care. For years, and I know choking is a problem in elderly. Yep. So that's kind of what what made me kind of throw that one out there.
0: Yeah, like, and you know, yeah. reading into it a little bit more, it um, it's actually a, a a big problem in nursing homes yeah. where the elderly uh, are. are yep. My mom,
2: my mom worked in nursing homes for many years, and I know that was a major problem with with when you get into your seventies and eighties, different story, you know. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, wow, that's that's a really good one but that
2: was a shot in the dark guys it wasn't (laughs) well done yeah
1: nailed it nailed it well done coop um so all right coop these are some of my favorite questions every week and i was especially excited to ask you these questions if you could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes who would it be and why
2: oh this is everyone's gonna get on my case Oh, it's got to be Tom Coughlin, the coach of the New York Giants.
0: <laughs> By the way, enjoy your whiny new wide receiver.
2: I'm not uh, that wasn't Coughlin's choice. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love to see the motivation he did for 10 minutes. You know, in those locker rooms, uh, you know, when guys didn't show up on early for their meetings and stuff like that, because we if you were on time, you were late. I would just yeah. love 10 minutes to be a fly on the wall in those meetings.
0: Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah, I, I have this feeling that ten minutes hearing his thoughts would just make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I think he in his I think what's going on in his head most of the time is just <laughs> just just mindless ramblings of anger.
2: Oh, he's one. He's just like, no. He's a, he's he's got a soft side to him too. I mean, there's, there's all yes, the video with blankets and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I've never seen it. Well, have you guys seen Bad Lip Readings? Yeah. In the NFL version, Tom has always got a great piece that they do every season, and it is hilarious.
2: If you are a Tom Coughlin hater or a lover, what the thing you love the most is when he would do the hysterionics on the sidelines. Yeah. Yep. Exasperate. If you if you're a fan of him, you love to see him do it, and if you hated the guy, you love to see him do it because he was like melting yep. down. Oh, that, that was what was so great about him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can. I mean, he he's he's definitely had success, and you can't take that away from no, him. No. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, the quote, Hector Alfonso. He made chicken salad out of chicken shit with those Giants teams. They that's had true. no business winning Super Bowls.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's yep. true. How Eli Manning has <laughs> rings is.
1: Yep. Well, yep. Know. Good job. Good. Good job, Eli. <laughs> Um, all right Coop if you were about to get into a fight what soundtrack music would come on
2: The Rocky 1 soundtrack and it would be the uh going the distance songs. Nice.
1: love it. Yeah the 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 main the main lucky thing I would be Rocky, theme has would be Rocky a few because times.
2: I'd be I'd be underdog in almost any fight so I mean that's why. It would have to be rock. <laughs> I need something to motivate me, yeah. All
1: right. Choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, or you could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie.
2: It would be the second, the defensive lineman. Uh, not that I would ever be a defensive lineman, but if I had that opportunity – um again I go back to my Giants days. The most exciting play I ever saw was when George, George Martin, Martin intercepted a ball and ran it in for a touchdown. So uh, that was the most exciting football player ever. I
1: saw. Garrett Garrett and I are both I am completely shocked by your answer. I am too. Because you are such a huge baseball fan, as are we. You are such a huge baseball fan. I am shocked that you didn't answer the baseball answer.
0: I almost said you don't even have to do this one. <laughs>
2: No, I mean no, I'd be honest. It's it, no, it's I, I don't regret my answer. I love baseball, but it would be that defensive lineman yeah. one. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a, I love it. We've had we've had a few, quite a few people answer that. I yeah. think the number one answer is the hockey.
0: It is. Yeah. And I think number two is DL.
1: Yeah. All right. Um so Coop, if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new premium cigar consumer, what would it be?
2: If you smoke a cigar and you don't like it before you dismiss the brand, try another size. Try mm. a couple more sizes in the brand. You may be surprised. Um, it, you, we're very dismissive to, to to you know to dismiss a brand if it, if it's maybe we smoke the size, it's not the best size. And you don't know, sometimes maybe that retailer only had that particular size in there, or maybe Mm -hmm. someone else recommended that size, but it's not for everybody. So I I would always say, before you just say, I'm writing off that, that, that line, try a couple more of the Vitolas beforehand, especially if it's a brand that you have some faith in.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, I like that answer a lot. We haven't heard that answer before. And that is, that is very true because, you know, there'll be some, there'll be some blend that comes out on the market. Um, Actually, one in particular uh, was the uh, uh, the Don Pepin, the the Jaime Garcia. Mm. Um, the first time I tried that cigar, I was not a fan, hmm. and then I tried, which is a little bit out of character for me, but I tried the larger vitola, and I liked it better. So that's a that's a key example for me.
2: We had the same experience as Stogie Geeks, Paul and I, uh, Avo Synchros. We went through the line, and hmm. uh, we were disappointed. Right. I went, of course, smoked the Gordo as the last size, right? Now, I didn't think that cigar was going to be any good in the, in the large ring gauge, right? It turned out to be great. I called Paul up. I'm like, Paul, you got to smoke the 60. He's like, really? You, you like 60s? I said, Paul, smoke the 60. And he's like, he came back to me. and said, you're right. He goes, that cigar just clicked in that size. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. we went to every other size but that one. I think there were five sizes they had. So.
1: Yeah, it, and it does happen. So that's a that's a great piece of advice, Coop. Um, yeah. try, try the different Vitolas. Yeah. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice to a brick-and-mortar cigar retailer, what would that be?
2: Leverage media for your shop exclusives. <laughs> that's right.
1: a, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's start, yeah. That's...
2: Start thinking yourself as a brand owner. And start because what's happening is why they don't do it is it. manufacturers don't want us invest cycles on a single store release. But if you want coverage and you want to generate excitement, start investing those cycles in you don't have to send a press release, just inform media about this stuff. Yeah. You know, and treat it like a, a product there. Um so you know, and and that would be the best thing because so many of these – they all want to – today, it's, everyone can get a shop exclusive if they can write a check for 200 boxes. It's yeah. not like years ago where it was more of a, a reward for premium retailers. So if you're going to buy 200 boxes, come up with a plan to do that, right? And I, you know, we'll help you with those plans. You know, As long as you can keep us informed, media will, I think media will embrace those things.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's good. I mean,
2: Pete Johnson's a different story. Pete Johnson like created that whole segment, right? So he could – he can he can get away with it, is what I'm saying, right? Because Tablight is known for that. But other other brands, I don't get it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's 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 funny you say that because we're gonna move into our next segment, which is notable smokables. Yeah. And written right right here, written on my show notes. My first notable smokable of the week is is the Jackal. Um, Great Cigar. I, that's it,
2: like the CD Casa de Monte Cristo
1: one. Yeah, and I um this was from this was the last stick from the box that I bought when they first came out in 2015, uh, and I smoked it, uh, was it yesterday or Saturday? I th- Saturday, I think it was. And I loved that cigar when they first came out, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I this maybe this was just a, an anomaly, but... I don't think this particular stick, and I'm not judging the entire line, the jackal, I'm just saying this particular stick that I smoked a couple days ago was was not just it didn't really live up to the memory I had of that blend. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. still a good cigar, burned very well, lots of smoke output, you know, lots of flavors, but it didn't it didn't remind me of the cigar that I loved when I first bought that box. Yep. So it happens, you know, it happens. Um, Coop, what's something you've smoked over this past week that you that really just kind of blew your socks off? I mean, it could be something brand new to the market. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for 15, 20 years.
2: Um, actually, it's the one I reviewed. This poet was a review, but I smoked it last week. Um, The Jaime Garcia uh, Reserva Special 10th Anniversary LE 2019. Oh, yeah? So I think the last few years, maybe I've, my father has – I've had mixed results with a lot of my father's cigars. I thought the the limiteds they did for 2018 were very disappointing. They weren't I up to agree. what I expect. I agree. Uh, both the Don Pepin 15s and the My Father 10s. Um, but you know, my father those those limiteds with the Pelo de Oro, which is the common denominator of those, they've had some good ones. And this Jaime Garcia one, I don't know if it's the same as the original 2011. It's kind of hard to pinpoint that because you know, vintages of tobaccos change. Right. Um, you know, I have to compare it to an aged cigar isn't fair but this smoked really good. This is like, you know, this is what I expected from my father. Uh, yeah. this is what I expect out of a $19 cigar. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, it was really good to see that, um, to see that because like I said, last year was such a disappointment for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, Garrett, what was uh one for you?
0: Uh, I would have to, I mean, my one that was just amazing was a, uh, David off late hour. Um, just so good um i'm not you know a, a big davidoff fan but that one for me was just it's just a lot of flavor
1: yeah yeah i haven't had one of those in in a while but uh it is it is one that i enjoy a lot definitely um especially the uh um uh, the uh, robusto size yep i like and that it was one a, a robusto yep um, my other one, uh, my other notable smokable this week, um, ironically, was also um, from that family, from the Davidoff family of cigars. The uh, a lot of shops have been seeing these uh, the Xeno Platinum Exclusive series, uh, and I, I grabbed one bef- uh, a few. Well, it would have been in January or February. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, at Tobacco Grove, they got uh, they got their own batch of Xeno uh, Exclusive series, uh, and. I, I was actually told um, by somebody from the shop that I should leave it sit for a little while. So I, I did, and I didn't smoke it until yesterday. And that cigar was very, very good. Very, it's a larger ring gauge cigar, but um, it's I very much enjoyed that cigar. So uh, I'm excited to you know get my hands on more and... Um, I think that was a fun release that they did. Mm -hmm. So here's,
2: here's the thing, um, Matt, um, you're saying that it's interesting last week I got a press release that two guys is having one of those, right? I didn't even know tobacco Grove had one of those. And, and here's the thing, that line is a great line that goes back to, they used to do them by region, uh, or, Mm -hmm. or they do a tribute to a region. Like they did Los Angeles, Texas, New York. They're good cigars, right? Yeah. Again, I I didn't even know tobacco grove had one, right? So that's something like that's my point earlier on. Like I'd love to know about all those cigars that are out there. Yeah. And I didn't even know they had that.
1: Yeah, that's a yep. good good point, but uh, yeah, enjoyable cigar. Uh and I'm excited to uh go out there and, you know, buy some from some of the other places. I I don't coop you can you can speak to this. Are they all the same blends just in different packaging or is it different blends for each area?
2: I'm not sure. I think they're similar. Okay. Okay. I think they're similar and they've changed some sizes with it. Um, but even so, like a lot of people will tell you when the size is different, you know, the blend is adjusted to the size. Right. So like the, you know, it's hard. I don't know for a fact if they are I would I would find it hard to maybe they are getting different blends. I don't know.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um Coop, was there anything else this week that uh that stood out to you?
2: It was interesting I had a pretty bad week last week, but the other one was uh Las Las, Las- Provincias MTZ. Um, mm-hmm. Not bad if Hector's in the room, but uh, I did. That was another one I posted up. But I smoked a lot of them last week. Um, the MTZ, I, I, you know, I thought it needed some time when it came out. Um, you know, typically I don't like reviewing anything off the truck anyway, so it kind of went into a normal review cycle. Yeah. But I was really pleased where that cigars come in like the last six months. Yeah, uh, where I like the LHB better the first one. But the MTZ really was something like, you know, I'd recommend go try this cigar now. It's smoking really good. I think I understand what it is. It's very different than the first release, too. A um, little bit of a pricier cigar as well, 1650 But I felt like I got my money's worth with that. Um, and I think there's more potential with aging with that cigar, too.
1: Yeah. So Yeah. I think, yeah that's, so I just, that's one that I, I – and I appreciate you saying that, that I need to revisit that cigar. Because we smoked yeah. it when we had Hector on the show of – not quite a year ago it was mm-hmm. uh late summer last year i yep. think and uh i i need to revisit that cigar because uh, I, I also got a sense when smoking it that that it it wasn't it wasn't quite there yet for uh, whatever the hell that might actually mean but i just it for me it wasn't quite there yet
2: when hector gave me one at the trade show he was very honest with me. he says don't smoke this shit okay Um, so I waited and then I still thought it needed a little time. I waited like about three months. I picked up a couple when they first hit the stores. I still thought they needed more time. Um, so, you know, I, I do like to try to at least age my cigars. No review will go out more than 20. If you send me a cigar, you're not going to get a review faster than a month's turnaround. So yeah, um, it's got, I put everything in the humidor. So yeah, I think, you know, aging is a big part. That's why I go back and I'll re-smoke cigars to see how the aging has happened. Uh, with the agile reviews, which is shorter, Bear and yeah. I do aging experiments on the show. The sea house cigar, but they will change over time.
1: Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. It's, and it's fun to do that. It's fun mm-hmm. to go and, you know, uh, even just today. I mean, not to ramble on it with another one, but just thinking of it out of my head was, um, I uh, I have a box of uh, of Tatooheh uh, Tatuaje, uh from mm. twenty seventeen, uh, and smoked one of those uh, this morning and man those really i just think they age really nicely it's a cigar that that i think uh takes a couple of years and and really kind of uh uh i don't know it just it kind of mellows it and and really makes it um uh a little bit deeper and uh and less bite you know
0: i like to see how the fausto ages i've never had uh oh uh, yeah i
1: haven't aged any of those
0: yeah, I haven't stuff. either.
2: It's kind of funny. I haven't. I And I'll go to them from time to time, but I'll just pick yeah. them up at the store. So I don't know uh-huh. how long they've been in there for.
0: Yeah. Uh, my uh, my second one was my very last Franklin Aza 1961. Oh, yeah. Oh, my
2: goodness. What a great cigar.
0: Oh, and what a sad story that we are no longer able to get them. Um, yeah. But... Great cigar, and uh, it had about two years on it, and it was it was fantastic. Nice.
1: I, I I'm still kicking myself that I didn't pick up a bunch of those when they were going on mm-hmm. closeout uh, at the very end there last year, but I just didn't didn't get to it. So, um, so guys, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, next week on the 21st, we are going to talk to Klaus Kellner from Davidoff, and then. Closing out the month of April, we are going to talk to none other than Dave Garofalo from Two Guys Cigars and Cigar Authority. And then we have some cool stuff coming up in May as well. Uh, We're still working out specific dates, but we have some very cool stuff coming up in May. Uh, So Coop, give our viewers and listeners a little bit more of an idea where they can find Cigar Coop online.
2: Well, the easiest place is if you just want to find everything in one place. Go to the website www.cigar-coop.com. Um, everything's there that you need. So you got your news, your reviews, all the all the podcast shows are archived there. Um, you can you can even watch it live there if you want. But certainly the podcasts are available through all the streaming channels or excuse me, all the podcast catchers, um, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Podbean. Um, YouTube, um, our shows are all, you know, you can get audio or video of those shows, which is kind of a one of the unique things we have with that. Um, so you can always subscribe to those things, and we encourage folks to subscribe to those. Uh, it helps us out as well. Um, so you have a variety of different ways. Some people are just strictly podcasts. They follow the podcast. Some people are strictly the website. And some are both. Um, so you have all, all those as well.
0: MySpace. You on the on the MySpace?
2: You know, I want to get on back on. I was on MySpace, I think once, like, <laughs> the, but it was for the music. It was something with music because MySpace was really good at one point for for like music. It was,
0: yeah, yeah
1: it was, yeah. yeah. Well, Coop, I have to say on a personal note that, um, you know, I I I've been a fan of yours for years, and mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful that you spent some time with us on the show tonight. Uh, yours yours is one. I have a. You know, my my tabs that open up automatically every time I open Chrome and yours is one of them. And it has been for years. So I appreciate what you do uh, and and, you know, keep doing it. And we're going to keep reading and and keep watching. Um, Mm -hmm. And thank you so much, honestly, for spending some time with us on the show tonight.
2: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity as well. Great job, guys, what you're doing with the show as well. Um, You know, you guys have 50 something shows into this already. Um, so I think, you know, your sky's the limit right now. Um and, you know, don't forget about your website, too. So you got the website. Yeah. You guys are keeping active with it. So... Um- um, you build you're, you're, you're building something as well um, in, in the space I see, I see where you're going with the show and uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity of doing this on a Monday too so thank you as well. yeah um, I'd love to do it again. Let's do it again.
1: Let's so, do it. Uh, yeah
2: on our end next time yeah
1: yeah love absolutely. It. Thank yeah. you so much. so guys as always, if you have any questions hit us up on the website how About that Cigar.com. send us a question on Facebook and until we see you next time burn cigars not bridges. Take care, guys. Thank you.